he spoke to me and I took the challenge because he told me, Pastor, the only thing you have to do is believe, trust and believe. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to bring you from zero, from zero, from nothing. Pastor Garcia's path from a homeless child on the streets of Mexico, bound for ruin, to servant of God reads like an action-adventure movie that keeps you on the edge of your seat. But really, it's a story of the power of God reaching into the lowest places to make a faithful disciple. Just settle in and hear it for yourself. Welcome to A Stronger Faith, a podcast that gives listeners the front row seat to experiences that change the faith of others and describes the presence of God. I'm your host, Stacy McCants, and we pray that God speaks to you through what you hear today. We believe everybody has experiences that shape their faith. Jesus Christ instructed us to share our faith through those experiences and use it to make disciples of others. Unfortunately, we live in a world that frowns upon our sharing of our faith and God's movement in our lives, and for Jesus' followers, that needs to change. If you feel like this podcast might be a good platform to share your faith story, or if you know someone else who has a faith story that should be shared, please reach out to us at astrongerfaith.com slash connect or on Facebook or Instagram. It's at least worth a conversation. Today's story is truly amazing filled with astonishing developments. But in the end, it's a powerful story of mercy and transformation. I think maybe it's just best to introduce you to Pastor Garcia. I have Pastor Garcia in here with us today in in what is a truly amazing story. When we sat down last week and talked about your journey from birth until where you are today. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I left that place thinking, man, I don't know that we're going to be able to talk about all this stuff in less than five hours. I don't know if we have that much time, but yes. we'll make it. But uh, yes. you have, you've come from a long way off. And I'm not talking about geographically, but spiritually and where you were heading when you were a child and, and all the ways that things were sort of adding up for you. And we're going to get into all that. But first, welcome, Pastor Garcia. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. It's an honor to be here and, you know, tell my story. I think God can do for anybody who want, who believe in God, who need God. I think this, this can be for anybody. So I believe because God loves everybody. Yeah. And well, and and your story illustrates exactly that, and you know this is really a story about a kid who is effectively discarded as a child, and you know eventually lost in drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. and on your own, suicidal potentially, uh, to being saved mm-hmm. and and turned into a life of producing fruit for the kingdom of God in a, an amazing way. And it just, the odds were just so against you and uh, we'll talk about it all, but uh, yeah, it's an amazing story. And, and you, your point is well taken in how much he loves each of us. 
Yes, I believe. I believe that's how I believe. You know, he loves everybody. Same. You know, when I came to tell God he didn't exist, uh, I realized, you know, like, he loves me, but I was, like, blind, you know, blind, cannot see him. Yeah. And when I give my life in that moment, it changed everything, you know, like, I have to do it. I have to open my heart and tell God, you know, I need you. Yeah. So that's the only thing. It changed everything. Well, you know, when we were talking, you told, you mentioned right away, it's like, you know, I was homeless in Mexico mm-hmm. when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. How'd you become homeless at nine years old in Mexico? Well, I told, you know, I always, in middle school, I always see uh, children's with no uh, parents. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know how how it feels, you know, to live without parents. And I cannot imagine, you know, be a child with no parents, which I saw my uh, classmates, some of them, and I was sad. But but age of nine, my mom left. So she left and she took one of my uh, baby sisters with her and four one more sister and three brothers, we stay home with my daddy. And she never came back. She's supposed to go for a doctor's appointment, but she never came back. You know, we were days, weeks, months, and years. So it was a big surprise because she never came back. And my father, he just... Like the next week, he he used to drink, but he got lost like the next week, two weeks, you know, after she left. So be uh, be drinking all the time. He sold the house, the only house we have in that time. He was very disappointed, very sad. So he became alcoholic just right away. And we start, you know, to go with some families, cousins, uncles. We just start visit their their home and spend the night. So that's the way we you we become homeless. And we have like two different uh, hometowns very close, two hours apart. And we visit family on this place and the other place. And we were very sad because she never came back. So we realized, you know, we're her mom no more. So were you with your, did you stay with your brothers and sisters to these other friends and relatives' houses, or did you guys split up? We split up. We um, my, we stayed together maybe three months. And after three months, my oldest sister, she was 11. She moved to Oaxaca City, which is, you know, the state where we used to live to start middle school. So she left. And three of, of us, we stay at home. And the baby, he was one year and a half. Mm. So one of my father's sisters took care of him. He was a baby. So he, she took, took him to his house. So now I was nine, my brother was seven, and we... We did everything together, you know, trying to find daddy, you know, uh, whatever he was drinking, 
sometimes we can bring him home. Sometimes we didn't we didn't know where where he was, mm. and sometimes you know we forgot and we spend the night with a uh, family. And after one year being there, we since she, since my mom left, you know, I start to cook. I think that's the way I become a cook, and that's why I have a restaurant now. I think because when my father was at home, he trying to do, you know, trying to work, and but I choose to cook, you know, yeah, because we have to eat. You so, gotta eat, right? <laughs> yes, we have to eat. So my father he didn't know how to cook. My brother he didn't know how to cook. So I start to create, you know. Really? How old were you then? Nine. Still nine. Still okay. Nine. Yeah. Nine. And so nine to ten, I stood at home. Yeah. And uh, I start to cook. Uh, I think in this hometown where I was born, we were we were blessed because it's a tropical. So we have a banana, we have a coffee plant, we have a lots of fruits, orange, pineapple. So. We were blessed because we can eat at least fruit, you know, every day. Yeah. And uh, I start to cook my beans, my rice. I stay, uh, start to make my own tortillas. Really? You know, they were uh, terrible, but <laughs> we eat it. We eat it, you know. We survive. So after a year, I, my father took me to shelter. You know, he put me on this shelter for one year. And I saw him only two times in the year. And my brother, he went to another town to go to school with another family. So I was in the shelter and um, I finished middle school and I went back home. I went back home and everything was, you know, like my father still on the streets drinking. My brother, he was in school, and my sister, she went to this city, and my baby brother, she, my baby brother was in the same uh, town where my sister was, in the same city where my sister was, so I was okay with that, you know, they can see each other. And I, I decided to go to, uh, for middle school to this uh, city where my sister was, but before I went to this middle school, I think they brought back my baby brother to the place where we were born. So my grandmother took care of this baby. You know, he was like three already. And uh, so we were, you know, like passing each other, missing each other. But uh, I think we get used to uh, start to go to Fort middle school in this uh, city. And... I start to get in trouble, like right away, you know. I was a very little short guy, and I remember the those children in this city, they didn't like me, <laughs> so yeah. they start to do bullying. Bullying, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I have to learn how to fight, and I asked one of the trainers, you know, you need to train me because uh, there is some kids I need to fix our problems so, <laughs> so yeah. i did and uh i learned how to fight and the first thing i did is you know to go and find one of these child who 
do a bullying to me. And I think that was the biggest mistake I made being in the middle school because I hurt him so bad, you know, he, he couldn't talk. I, so I get scared and I left. I left the school. Really? Yes, I went back to the place where I was born, but no mama, no daddy, nobody over there. So I escaped by uh, age of 11. I escaped. I went from Oaxaca State. I moved all the way to Tijuana side, you know, in Mexico, but it's California side. Yeah, Tijuana. Mm -hmm. So How I far moved, away was Tijuana from where you lived? Oh, my goodness. 50, in that time, 50, 58 hours. 50 hours? Yes, sir. How did yeah. you get, were you, what are you, 11 years old? Yes. From your town to Tijuana was a 50-hour, yeah. How'd you get there? Well, uh, I have another uh, cousins, and uh, they have a brother in Tijuana. So we talk to each other, and we talk with their parents, and I told them, you know, I want to go with you, and but we need to talk with your daddy. No, we don't need to talk to my daddy. You know, I want to go with you. So he he took wow. He took us out there, and he has a he get in trouble on the uh, on the bus because why he has three <laughs> children. You know, like yeah, I was eleven. The other one was eleven. And one was ten. So he gets in trouble, like. Are you selling these children? And, you know, we show our gifts, uh, our certificate, and they let us go. So we went to Tijuana. So uh, when we get to this place, uh, it was, I think, too many people living in the same house. So uh, in that place, I remember uh, the farmers, uh, there was a, Lots of work over there, you know, with the farmers. So they give a place for people who work with the farm to live out there. So I took one of those places. So yeah. you were working on a farm? Yes, sir. And they had housing for people that worked on the farm, and you moved into one of these places? That's correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And start my own life? At but, 11? Yes, sir. And I... Uh, Start to work. Sometimes I fall asleep, be a child. I fall asleep, you know, the bus come out there like five in the morning. And sometimes I fall asleep, you know. Sometimes I left with no lunch, you know, no food on these fields to work. But that's the way I was doing, you know. Like sometimes I work, sometimes I don't work because I fall asleep and things like that. So the day is going on and... I work with, you know, most uh, adults in the field, you know, pick up strawberries, uh, tomato, potato, you know, all kind of vegetables. So um, I start to do the same thing, you know, where they were doing every Friday. We get the check and we go to the town and cash the check. And first thing they do is get to the store and buy Big, big, we call kawamas, that's a beer, but it's a big bottle of beer, you know, yeah. like family. <laughs> yeah, like a 40 or something. Family, yes. Yeah. So each one of us has his own, you know, yeah. uh, family beer. And the, the what thing, what surprised me was like, 
I was, you know, 11 or 12 by this time, I can get one too. So it was they, like, they sold it to you. Yes. We were hiding behind the store, but they didn't care, you know. They didn't care. So yeah. I can have one too. So I like get used to, you know, hang out with these adults and start to do, you know, what they were doing. So that was every week, every week. But sometimes I want to do by myself too, you know. So get drunk all the time. and At 12 years old. Yes. So just to recap this, you, at nine years old, your mom left, took a baby sister with you, and immediately your father turned to alcohol. He had always drank a little bit, but he really hit it heavy after that and became an alcoholic such that you couldn't really stay with him much. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. would look for him. You guys would get on the streets and look for him and you found him, you found him, you didn't, you, you didn't. And so you stayed at random houses with family members, learned how to cook, eventually went and to another city where your sister was mm -hmm. so that you could go to school, went to school, got bullied, learned how to fight, beat a kid up till he couldn't talk and had to leave. Yes, sir. <laughs> had to escape, really. Yes. Went to, back to your hometown and realized that you had to go further and ended up going to Tijuana at 11 years old yes. to go work in fields yes. on your own mm -hmm. and began joining the other adults in drinking on the weekends till you were drunk at 12 years old. Yes, sir. That's where we are. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I told us that was the life. So that's what I have in that time. That's what I did. And, uh, start to hang out with these other people who they were doing drugs and I start to try, you know, like playing and uh, uh, I get in trouble too many times. I get in big trouble too many times, you know, like I uh, have to deal with the police and uh, sometimes they let me go because I was like, I was homeless, you know, living in this place by myself. So I was homeless, so the police sometimes, you know, go. And uh, I was uh, 14, age 14. Uh, my uncle, the one who took me to this place, he told me a lie. He told me my father was very sick, like very, very sick. So I need to go see him all the way, you know, 50 hours back. So he he invents something so I can believe and go back, you know, uh, to my hometown, which yeah I believe it and what he say and he he took me and we went back to Mexico City and then to Oaxaca State. So and when I get home, my father was okay, still drinking, but he was not. He sick. wasn't sick. Yeah. yeah. So. And I was like uh, trying to get mad, but I said, you know what? I think I understand, you know, he don't want me to keep doing, you know, like get in trouble here. So he was doing that for your good. Yes, for my good. Yeah, he so, was trying to protect you from Protect me. Yeah. yeah. So I went back and see my daddy, uh, live with him maybe two months. And he was still doing the same thing, you know, still drinking, no place to live. 
so it was like, I don't need to stay here. I need to move. And my talk was to go back to Tijuana, but I went back to Mexico City. And my sister, but that time, on those years, we were separate. My sister, she met my mom in where she where she was in school. Somehow they get connected, and my mom went to see her on where my sister was living, and and I heard uh, my brother. You know, he finished middle school. He went to see my sister in this city, and they got together over there. So I was mad, you know, because how you you know you know she left us, so we don't need to talk to her no more. Yeah. So, but they did. So. I went back to Mexico City and they took me with her. And after what five years, after five years, you know, I I saw my mom. Yeah, from and, nine to fourteen. Yes, and I was like, I don't know, you know, she was my mom, and I was like mad, but at the same time, you know, she's my mom. So. Yeah, how was that? I mean, did you tell her how mad you were? And not me. No. But my other, my sister, my brothers, they treat her very bad. Yeah. You know, like fighting with her. Like, you have to tell us, what is my sister? Yeah. You know, uh, she, she never told us, but what we heard is she sold my sister. She sold your sister. What do you mean by that? My baby sister, you know, the one she yeah. took with her? That's right. Yeah, we asked, you know, what is my sister? And she was like, I don't know, I don't know. So what we heard from other people is like, she sold my sister. So we were so mad, you know, and my, like I say, I was mad, but I cannot do anything. I was, I think I show on my rebellious, you know, but never touch her, but... My other brothers, they did, you know, they did. Uh, uh, so she offered me place to live. She offered me money and, you know, buy me all the stuff. So I was like, you know, my dream was to go back to Tijuana, you know, to keep living my good life. Right. But uh, uh, they convinced me. My, my brothers, my sister, they convinced me and I took the chance, you know, I'm going to try. So I found a job over there and I started to work and keep doing the same thing, getting alcohol. By the age of 15, I was already like alcoholic. I really? cannot live without alcohol. So I was already, so start to meet friends, you know, go out and parties and all those things, so uh, I just kept doing, you know, what I was doing, and the years gone on, you know, find jobs, at, you know, different places. Uh, I get married by age seventeen. You got married? Yes, I get married by age seventeen. 17? Yeah, and I have my first daughter in that time, and still in the middle of, you know, this. A mess in my life, still on the mill, you know. My wife in that time, you know, we live together and have one daughter, and three years later we have another daughter. So just 
I was, you know, like working. I was kind of responsible working. But, you know, doing all these, these things, you know. I started to do more drugs, get in trouble with the police. Just, you know, messing with my life. Work, drink, drugs. But I get in the point, like, I didn't care no more, you know, so... I did this bad stuff, and they took me to the jail one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, six times. So the last two, you know, five, the five and the six time when they took me over there, there were crazy people in the in the prison. And I said, like, I'm not that crazy, you know, so I don't know what I'm doing here, but it was dangerous. So my life was enriched too many times, and uh just living that crazy life. So I think when I was 20, I went to one of these uh, weddings where I died and they brought me back uh, because I was uh, ele- electrocuted. 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 You went to a wedding, you said? Yes. I went to this wedding with my friends. They were my friends. The band who was playing, I went with the band, you know, they were playing. And uh, I get just get electric, electrocuted. How did you get electrocuted at the wedding? Uh, you know, they put this big stage uh-huh. for the band to play. And somebody, I don't know how they did, they hooked the wire on the one of these... Uh, metal thing, yeah, like a like a, like the scaffolding, the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the whole the stage. Yes, yeah. So, so with one hand, you know, I touched this and I did ground with the other. You grabbed the scaffolding with one and the wire with the other, and so yes. it ran right through you. Yes. So, I remember that <laughs> oh, moment. God. In that moment, you know, I the band was playing so loud, so uh, they didn't hear me. You know, I was fighting for my life, and they didn't hear me. Uh, because the music was so loud, so but I remember I used trying to, you know, I was pulling my hands, and after a minute fighting, I used say, you know, I used say goodbye. This is it. Because it locks you up, right? You yes. can't let go of those things. No, no. You have to get knocked off of that. Mm-hmm. So I just pass out, and what they say is somebody came and took his t-shirt and pulled me down. Turn me to the ground. He took his shirt and looped it over mm-hmm. the top of you mm-hmm. and pulled you off of That's it? That's what they say. Wow. Yeah. And I was in the ground like, why? You know, you should let me stay there. You know, why you, you know, why you pull me now? You know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was uh, already there. So anyway, so uh, it was my first chance, you know, to be alive and so is I think it was in that moment when I start to ask myself you know like what are you doing you know you only 18 19 you know and what are you doing you're gonna die too young if you you know keep live this life this is all what I'm gonna do in my life but it was just for a short period of the time, you know, thinking and regretting everything, and still 
still doing the same thing. Right back into it. Yeah, yeah. you know, you have a, a, a situation occur where you you almost die, mm-hmm. and it causes you to evaluate <laughs> what's going on with your life and and ask some questions about the course that you're on and, and what you want to become of it. And yeah, over time, those those things can fade out a little bit and you can fall right back into the old way. It sounds like that's what you're saying that you did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, that was the kind of life I was living. And I tried, you know, many times, like, change my own life, do something different. And I always, you know, like when I went to school uh, for a business, uh, I went to school, you know, for a restaurant. Always, you know, always I was trying to do something. But everywhere I I find these kind of friends, you know, they like same things. Well, once you start down a road and, and, and what, when Jesus said, seek and you will find, He's not just talking about seek God and you'll find. Mm-hmm. He's talking about whatever it is that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. If that's where your heart's set, you're going to find that, right? Yes. And if you're in a um, just moving from one location to another, won't change anything if no. your heart hasn't changed. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You will gravitate to whatever it is that you gravitate to, and you'll find that wherever you go. Yes. So let me ask you a question. Throughout this, and, and, and you're probably 19, 18, 19, 20 at this time. And and you've lived in lots of different places. Has anybody talked to you about God? Did you have any sort of background in faith, an understanding or knowledge, basic even, of who Jesus is and anything about the gospel at all? Well, um, uh, I don't know if you know about like in Mexico, there is people who you can pay and they say they're going to change your life. And doing, I don't know what they're doing, but they, uh, like, clean you with, with some flowers or, you know, things like that. And read your hand or read your future and, you know, a lot of which, you know. Yeah. And uh, I start to go to these places, you know. I spend money on these places, like, people, friends, family, that you know, they took me to these places where people can change my life. You know, and really, really doesn't work. Uh, they gave me something to drink, like, you're going to quit drink. Because the way, I don't know what they gave me, but they gave me something to drink. I have to stay home because it cleaned me everything. Yeah. Up and down. So, <laughs> and they say, with this, you're never going to touch, you know, like, beer or something because... You're going to die if you're trying to do it. But, you know, it worked for maybe one month. They're trying to scare me. And I start to try. Yeah. And try and say, nah, this is a lie. You know, I didn't die. So so what you're saying is there are people who have businesses that try to give you shortcuts to peace and healing Mm -hmm. that are not. Mm -hmm. So nobody's talking to you about God. No. And what I... uh, one lady I remember, uh, she used the Bible and she read, you know, like she read the Bible, she tell you about the Bible, but she tell you like she told me what I was doing wrong, you know, and what was my past and my future. So I was like, I get like confused, yeah. you know. So never, but they charge. That's the 
point, you know, they charge. Yeah, they make so they business. make money. Yes, they're not introducing you to God. Yeah, and um, the only time you know when I was in Tijuana, uh, when I was twelve. When I start to go to this place where I can get free food, free uh, clothes and everything, they always share, you know, through uh, flyers, you know, they always share uh, scriptures. And um, they gave me one time, like, the flyers say, you know, like, if you die today, where do you go? You go to heaven or you go to hell? And uh, that was the only place, yes, there was uh, lots of churches in Tijuana, you know. Lots of churches, but I didn't believe in God. Yeah, you didn't not, have I family was, members teaching you about I it. I was not a believer, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was not a believer. I was so hurt, you know, by my parents. Like, there's no God. People, they they're, they are wasting their time, you know, doing church because there is no God. So I grew up, you know, not believing. Yeah. You know, not, not as a believer. And um, my family, we we did not have like Christian values or Christian family. Uh, the place where we were born, they're considered Catholic. But you have the mice only once a year. And Mass once a year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we we were not believers. Wow. Yeah, you know, that was the only thing I remember they shared with me, you know. Yeah, I just wondered if you had any exposure, and especially when you were in Tijuana, you know, when you were there, you would think you would be working with all these adults, and, you know, I just wondered if anybody sort of took this child under their wing and said, no, we're going to we're gonna take care of this kid. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like it. No, no. So how did you, I mean, so from here, how did you go from – Mexico City, two children, a wife, when you're 19, 19 years old? Yes. 19, 20, somewhere in there? 20, yes. Uh-huh. 20. Mm-hmm. How did you get to America? Well, uh, I was fighting for my life. I left my family uh, when I was 20, uh, and I went back to Tijuana. Because that was my dream, you know, to go back to Tijuana. Were you married at the time? Yes. So yes. You, you had a wife and a couple of kids? Yes. But we separated, you know, we separated that time. So I went back to Tijuana. So you were separated? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I went to Tijuana and trying to save my life. That was that's one thing I was looking for, you know, to save my life. So I need to be where the place where I don't have friends, I don't have nobody, you know. But like you, you mentioned, you know, it's wherever you go. The problem was me, not the place. Yeah. And uh, I remember I opened, when I was 20, 21, I think, I opened a small restaurant in Tijuana, next to Tijuana, in Senara. I opened this small restaurant over there. I was so happy, you know, like, oh, my life going to change. But the same thing again, you know, my Customers who came to the restaurants, we start to be friends, and we start to do the same things again mm. and again. Like so, spent seven months over there and went back to Mexico. Went back to Mexico, and one of my uncles, he used to work for a company here in in America, so he invited me to come here. But 
the big problem, you know, to come here, it was I need to spend one year in the army. So by age 22, here, here I am, went to the army for one year, you know, because in that time, if uh, you don't have a letter from the army, you cannot go out of your country. So I have to do this and for, for one year to be in the army, which it really helped me for that year because I learned about discipline. And I was like, oh my goodness, I fell in love with, with the army, you know, and I want to be in the army. Mm. So when I finished the year, I have my letter and everything ready to go. But I was like, I'm here in my country already, and I can sign for a job, you know, in the army. And because they make me to study, you know, make me to finish my high school in the army. So I was like, I like the discipline. I like this life, so and I can make money. So Yeah, so did you, when you got in the army, it, it had to have taken you away from a lot of the, the drugs and the friends of, I mean, you're in a disciplined situation. I, ha I have to. Yeah. I have to. So did, to. so did you kind of drop all that stuff once you got in the army? Yes, I have to. You know, it yeah. was it was the hard one of the hardest thing. I cry, you know, because just to know I was there and how bad they can, you know, do to me. Discipline. If I don't, if I do these things, so I was crying. But you know what? I'm glad. You know, I did it because that part really changed my life. You know. And that was the only way to finish the army so I can have my letters from my country to come here. So I choose to come. You know, I was 50-50. I was about to sign the contract to be in the army. But my uncle, he asked me to go over there. So I'm going to go out there. And, you know, if I don't like I come back to the army. But I took the chance. I came here. And I was like, finally, you know. My life gonna change now because I'm gonna be in this country where no friends, nobody speaks Spanish. So I think this is the time. This is the chance I have to change my life. You know, I was thinking myself. You know, I can change my life, but really, every time I try to change my life myself, it didn't work. Yeah. So I came here and. I didn't know how they were in the company, but I remember we were 14 in this crew, 14 people. 14 people. Yes. Uh, living in the hotels, in different stakes, different areas. And we were transported by this van every day, you know, same place to work. What, what kind of work were you live. doing? Uh, we used to plant trees. You're planting trees? Yes, okay. planting trees here yeah. in the south. And uh, it was like family, you know. Every day, go together, come together, and again, again, you know, same people, same background, you know, drinking and drugs. I was like, why? Nothing's changed. Nothing changed. So, I, you know, I, it was the third time trying, you know, and I say, this is the far I can go. You know, there is no other place to go to change my life. This is the far I can go, so. Uh, I'm, I start to think, you know, about the future, what I'm going to do when we finish the contract. So I start to think, you know, I'm not going to go back to Mexico. 
I'm not going to go back to the same life. Uh, but that time I was separated from my family already, and mm-hmm. they don't want to see me. They don't want to see nobody want to see me. My family, they don't want to. They don't want to see me. You know because they were sad. They were sad when they see me. Uh, when I come visit somebody, they always like, like. They were sad. Like oh, he comes for money or what kind of travel he is. You know things like that. So nobody want to see me. Nobody was happy. Yeah, to see me. So, uh, and my daddy be alcoholic, live on the street, you know, and I say, there is no sense to go back to Mexico. I don't want to go back to Mexico. I'm going to take my own life. That's when I talk, you know, like before I go back to Mexico, I'm going to take my own life and, and my family, my children, they're going to remember, you know, like there is a story, you know, he went, he left, never came back. So, I kept working until we finished. So the time was close to, they start to talk like two, three more weeks and we go back to Mexico. So I start to think, you know, the way how I can take my own life. And I um, start to think, start to think, try two different times. And the last one, I say, this is it. This is it. So one day I decide, you know, uh, March 8, 2001, beautiful spring. The sky was clear and blue. And I decided to do that day, so I walked to the mountain. And on my way, like 15 minutes walking, I was blaming to God, you know, straight to God. I say, okay, God, you do not exist, okay? And I can tell you right now, why you do not exist and i have my list and i start to to tell god you know you do not exist because uh when my parents left you was not there i didn't see you when we didn't have we didn't have a home to to live you was not there so you do not exist number two number three no food so why why people say you exist? You do not exist, and that's that's my proof. And I can keep keep on going and give you my list. You know, many times was in the hospital because we have a fight. Never see you. Times where I was dying, never see you. I was in jail, never see you. And I'm here today. This is my last chance. You know, this is my last day. So. If you exist, I need to see you. I need to see you right now. Look, I'm going to take my own life right now. So where are you? You see, you do not exist. You do not exist. You do not exist. So I was like, I don't understand why people talk about God, about Jesus. You know, Jesus can save you. Jesus can change your life. And oh Jesus, I say there's no God, you know, there is no God. So when I did that, you know, I uh, I say I'm tired how my life is been and the way I'm been living, so I'm tired. So I'm gonna take my own life. And this when I, when this uh 
these big letters came on my mind, you know, the 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 letters I read when I was in Tijuana, you know, like they gave me a flyer where with Bible verses, you know, was saying like, if you die today, where do you go? You go to the heaven or you go to the hell in Bible verses. So that came on my mind in that moment. I say, you know what? Maybe you you do exist for good people. Maybe they can see you. That's why there's a lot of people talking about you. But they're good people, you know. They're not bad people like me, you know. So maybe you exist for them. But people like me, uh, I'm not going to see you. You're not going to talk to me because I'm a bad person. So maybe that's why you do exist for good people, okay? You do not exist for bad people, okay? Are you understand? You know what? Right now. In case if you exist right now, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my soul, my brain. I give you everything. So there, that's when it started, you know, like I turned crazy. When I give my life, you know, like to Jesus, which I thought he didn't exist. I gave my life, you know, like just being crazy. My heart, everything. And when I declare all these things, is when this uh, voice speak inside of me, you know, like very strong, you know, like doing this to bring my attention, you know, like, Pastor, Pastor, okay, okay. Yes, everything what you just say, everything, you know, what you say. You went through in your life since you was child. Everything is true. It's true, you know. No, when you didn't have a home, when you didn't have a uh, food, and everything is true. But let me ask you something. Have you lost any part of your body? So I start to touch my ears, my eyes, and, and I see my fingers. And I was like, no, I haven't lost anything. So what do you need? And I was like, you know, I'm crazy. You know why this voice is telling me, you know, like what to do and why? You know, why? And uh, my brain, it was like thousand miles per hour. Like, oh, my goodness, that's true. You know, I've been through many, many things where I died and came back in fight, in jail. You know, sleeping on the street and never lost, never lost nail, finger, eyes, arm or leg or something. I went through too many things where I can, I could not only die, you know, or lose one part of my body. So that was like, that's true. No, I haven't lost any part of my body. So what do you need? Just stand up and go. So I jump, and I like, you know, I hold my head, and I say, oh, my goodness. What is this? This is what people told me, you know, when I was 16, 17, 18, 20. This is what people told me. One day, you're going to get crazy. So I was like, 
Maybe that's what happened. Well, they told you because of the drugs and things. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> they always. If you kept doing that, you'd go crazy. Yes, they always <laughs> see me on drugs and sleeping everywhere. You know, sleeping. And you thought they were. This was all coming true once you heard this voice. Yes. <laughs> so when I start to hear this voice, this is what people told me: you're gonna get crazy, and you're gonna, you know, just like these people who walk on the street crazy, talking by themselves. You know, so I was like, my goodness, I get crazy now. Why, you know, why I <laughs> why I fought with God? Why, you know, I challenge God? So now I'm crazy. So what makes you think this was God talking to you? Well, because that's, uh, I was challenged God. I was telling God, you do not exist. You know, I was fighting with God, telling him he doesn't exist. You know, and the same time, in case if he exists, I gave my life. I surrender myself. That was the only time, like, surrender myself and give my life to God in case if he exists, because that was the way I was thinking. In case you exist, I'm going to give you my life. So when you did that, when you said, that's it, I'm going to give you a shot, I'm giving you my life, mm -hmm. all of it. And that's when he listed all the things that you said. Yes. All those things are true. Mm -hmm. But you are here today mm -hmm. unharmed. Mm -hmm. Essentially telling you, I was with you mm -hmm. in those moments. Yes. That's what I understood. You know, like, yes, everything you've been through, I've been there. I've been there. That's why, that's why you haven't lost any part yeah. of your body. You're still complete. So I was like, oh, my goodness, that's true. I never realized that, you know, like, I, I didn't lose any part of my body. And So did you feel differently? Yes. Yes. You know, it was something I cannot explain, you know, because that was my only experience. That was my only experience why I'm a believer today, because that experience, you know. Nobody took me to the church. Nobody convinced me to believe in God. Nobody. Nobody. It was just me and God. I can say today it was God, you know. So that's, you know, signs them. I believe God is real. He is real, you know. Signs that moment when he spoke to me and I took the challenge because he told me, Pastor, the only thing you have to do is believe, trust and believe. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to bring you from zero, from zero, from nothing. So he told you that. Yes. He told you he was going to take you from, from zero. From zero, from nothing. To, you know, from zero. I was homeless. I didn't have a family. I didn't have a home to live. Nothing, zero, you yeah. know. So. Now I have family, I have a house to live, I have cars, I have business. So yeah. from zero. So so how did it start? So what happened from that point? Okay, from that point, uh, uh, after I realized I was not crazy because I didn't use drugs no more. So I was confused, you know, talking with nobody over there, listen this this voice. So... The other, the other, other fourteen co-workers, they were, they still working. So what I start to do is like go behind. 
I don't want to talk with nobody. I don't want to tell nobody what happened. And I don't want them to see me because they're going to call me crazy. And uh, so I stay away. And uh, the day's gone on. And that was in Savannah, Tennessee. So we were about to finish. And I was, oh, my goodness, like, I couldn't sleep, you know, just thinking, like, my goodness, I, I, do you exist? You know, from one day to the other day, yesterday you didn't exist for me. I was mad with you, and I didn't believe you exist. And now, today, I'm like, you really exist? And, wow, so what's going to be? And we we move from Tennessee, and we finish in here in Alabama. And uh, when we finish here on those days, I process everything. So I say, God, please, if it's you, okay, I'm so sorry, you know, for everything what I say. You didn't, you did not exist. I'm so sorry. But if it's you who spoke to me in that mountain, please, let's do it. You know, let's do it from zero. So, please, please, you know, I believe in you now. I believe in you now. I'm going to trust in you now. But please, you know, uh, uh, help me. So, we finished here in Alabama, and I told my uncle, who invited me to come here, you know, I'm going to stay here in Alabama for two weeks. Then I go back to Mexico. And he was like, no, you're crazy. You're not going to stay here. So said, yes, I need to take two weeks, you know. And he was like, no, you're not going to stay here. Where, where are you going to live? Where, you know, you know, don't worry. I'm going to stay in the hotels. So they were late. And I insist and insist. And the days pass by and for two weeks. And so I told the manager, you know, to, hey, when we finish, I'm going to stay here for two weeks. And... Everybody knew now I want to stay here. So they start to call me crazy and crazy, you crazy. And okay, you know, so they were like my uncle. He didn't believe like, please, pastor, you know, I don't feel good because I invite you to come here. And now you want to stay here. I don't want you to stay. I say, please, you know, I'm 24 already. So I'm be okay. Two weeks and I go back. See you in Mexico. So, the day we finished, the manager, he was so worried because he don't want to leave me here. So, he has to call the owner of the co the company. And he said, you know, I'm not going to leave you here. I'm going to call the owner. And you talk to the owner, crazy man. So, he called the owner and he gave me the phone. And I spoke with him and he asked me, Mr. Pastor, are you okay? Say, yes, sir. I'm doing okay. You know, I'm doing good. Okay. The manager, he's... Mentioned you're gonna stay, you're gonna take a few weeks. Say yes, sir. I need two weeks, and I go back to Mexico. Okay, so if that's the case, just make sure they take you to the hotel and see you next year. Say thank you. See you next year. So they drop me in the hotel. Uh, all the way, it took 30 minutes to take me to the hotel and. The hallway, they were coming crazy, crazy. You're not going to stay here. And I said, yes, I'm going to stay here. Well, so they left me in the hotel. And here we start. I start to cry when they left. Because 
you know, I was confusing, you know, I was confusing. I was like, from one side, you know, like, thinking like, pastor, be real, you know, be real. Go back to Mexico and just work, be normal, and don't believe in these crazy things, you know. So Why did you want to stay? Because, like I say, I don't want to go back to Mexico to because nobody was happy to see me. Yeah, and you had that life back there. Was it because you had had this encounter with God and you now believed in God? Mm-hmm. Is that why you stayed? Yes, because I took the challenge, you know. Yeah. If that was you, if that was you who spoke to me, I, I want to do it. Did you pray during that time? Did you ask God what you should do? Should you go back to Mexico? Should you stay here? Did you just feel like you should stay? Yeah, yeah. I just feel confidence in the way my life was. Always be homeless. It was not hard for me to yeah. be homeless again. I don't have to think too much, you know, like be homeless, live without food or live on the street. You know, it was not hard for me. It's just I didn't think on those things. I just like, if it's you, God, let's do it. Let's do it, you know. I want to do it. If that's you who spoke to me, I want to do it. So I, I remember when they left, I still have a $300 in my wallet. And I say, you know, you told me from zero. So that's, let's do from zero. So I send this money to Mexico. And now we are zero. <laughs> you really made it zero. <laughs> yes. Did you ever think that he just kind of spotted your $300 to get you on your feet and get started? You said, no, no, it no. has to be zero. Yeah. <laughs> zero. Zero. So um, the days went on. And those first days, it was... One side, thinking, be real. You know why you're crazy. Go back. Go back to Mexico. You know how to work. Just do your normal life. And from the other side, you know everything what happened. The experience I have, you know, in that mountain. Uh, I said, oh my goodness, no. You know, I know this. This is real. I know this. I know how to do this. But I want to take this. I think God is real. I think he he is the one who saved me. So I want to do this. And it was hard. It was hard because I was not a believer. I was not strong in faith. But it's I all new, to, yeah. Yeah, I was I want to do this. And uh walking one day on the street, you know, there was another Mexican guy who who yelled to me and he said, Are you speak Spanish? I say, Yes sir, I speak Spanish. And he stopped his car and he started to talk to me and he he asked me my name, where I was doing and everything, and he invited me to the church. And I said, Yeah, let's go. And I went to this church for first time in my life and touched a Bible first time in my life. Really? Or read the Bible first time in my life. Never read the Bible. You converted from nothing to Christianity without anybody guiding you through it, without a Bible, without knowing any mm-hmm. scripture. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. So I went to church this night, and uh, the I, I, I was, you know, like 
the way I used to live. Like, I cannot be close to people. I cannot hold people. Nobody can hold me, you know, because the ways I was raised on the streets, you know, nobody can come close. In the church, everybody, you know, hugs everybody. So I was like, mm. <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> what's going on here, you know, and they pray for you and, you know, I was new, so I didn't understand. And uh, I remember that time when they finished the service. It was Wednesday. They finished the service, and he asked me, okay, we finished. Uh, can I take you to your house? And I said, no, I don't have a house. So where do you live? Everywhere. So <laughs> what am I going to do with you? No, you can leave me here. <laughs> you know, you can leave me here, and I just walk. And he was like, I think he regret what he did to invite me to come to his church because <laughs> he did not know what to do. He went back to to the church and I think he spoke with the pastors and the, they both came out and they asked me and I told the same thing. I don't have a place to live. So they were like, well, do you mind to stay here in the church? I was like, no, you know. If you want me to, yes. Okay. You know, so you can you can spend the night here in the church. Okay. So I spend the night in the in the church, in the floor. So I was I was safe, you know, I have a roof. So eight in the morning next day they came and I was ready, awake and okay. So we talked for a little bit and just follow the pastor, what he was doing, you know, like every day is go to visit different families or doing, you know, Bible story every day. So I just ride with him everywhere he goes. And 8 p.m., they take me to the church and I spend the night in the church, clean the church, you know, keep cleaning the church and do whatever I can do, you know, to help. And so now they realize I didn't have a home, and I need help. So the pastor, he started to help, to tell everybody in the church, you know, brothers and sisters, we have a homeless who live in our church, so please bring some food or give some money so he can he can eat something. So people start to bring me like pillow, uh, you know, things things like that where I can sleep, you know, in the church. Yeah, pillow, blanket. Maybe. Blanket, yes. And uh, <laughs> whatever I could use, you know, to And just put on the corner every day, you know, and spend the night over there and wake until it was dark. Uh, boil the water, go outside, take a shower on the dark. And, hey, I was in church. Wow. And I started, you know, like, this time I was with, Good people, I think, you know, yeah. uh, the pastor, his family, and the brothers and sisters in the church. So it was good people. At least, you know, nobody invited me to drink or do drugs no more. So I feel safe. And uh, I start to, the maybe two weeks with no work, but I find finally find work. And I start to work uh car dealer, just cleaning cars. And uh, after almost four four months living in the church, the man who I started to work with, uh, he asked the pastor, uh, who is this guy, you know, who is this man here? The pastor said, 
He's a homeless. He lives in our church. And I was working with him. He say, he told the pastor, I don't know why, but I think God is telling me to help him. I want to adopt him. And uh, the pastor called me and, you know, he was translating, you know, like, he want to adopt you. I said, he's crazy. <laughs> you know, he didn't, he didn't speak one word Spanish and I didn't speak one word English. So how he want to adopt me? And you're 24? I was 25, 25, 25? at this time. 25 yeah, 25-year-old. It's not yeah. like you're a 12-year-old yeah. kid anymore. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, too old. So he say, I want to adopt you. And I said, why you want to adopt me? I'm too old. Mm. He said, well, I feel from the Lord. I was like, what are you going to do? You know, why you want to adopt me? He didn't have children. So he said, well... I want to adopt you, and I want to help you. I want to feed you. I want to buy you clothes. I want to. I'm, I'm gonna give you a place to live, and I'm gonna pay for your school. I was like, "You want to do everything, all that?" He said, "Yes." So, I talk for a moment. I say, "I'm living in the church. I need help, and this man is crazy." Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. So I told her, okay. Yeah, but you can't help but think that you accepted this challenge. You, you, you issued this challenge to God in your encounter with him where you said, I'm giving you everything just in case you're real. And you believe that he said to you that I've taken you through all these other things and now I'm going to take you from zero. Mm -hmm. So I would think the first time that the other guy from Mexico saw you and yelled at you out the window, mm -hmm. you can't help but think, this is part of that. Mm -hmm. And when the church invited you to stay, mm -hmm. you can't help but think that, hmm, this is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And now a random guy from America. America. Speaks no Spanish. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's in the Hispanic community or mm -hmm. anything. This is a guy that's completely separate. Mm -hmm. Tells you through a translator that has been pressed on his heart to adopt you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't help but sit in awe of that and say, I'm, I'm watching a miracle unfold before me exactly as God has described it. Yeah, that's. Did you think of that at the time? Well, Did every you day. See that? I every mean, you can see it now, but yeah. Well, that in that time, you know, the way it was happening, the things, I was like, wow. Yes, it's like nothing's going to surprise me. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. You exist. What is tomorrow? He when he adopted me after four months, be homeless. Uh, he gave me an apartment, nice apartment, and he and his friends. He was so happy, so he. Invite all his friends. So they brought tables, bed, blankets, pillows, you know, uh, kitchen utensils, TV, cow, everything, towels, like everything. I didn't spend one penny when he moved me out there. And after four months, you know, be homeless or be safe. My goodness, I feel like. Son of the king. Yeah. 
My goodness, I have everything. I don't have to worry for food. I don't have to worry for work, where to live, what to eat, clothes, anything. He took care of everything. So I was like, my goodness, you are real. Mm. You know, every time, you know, things like this happen, like, you are real. You taught me from zero. And look, you doing the things, using the people, you know, using the believers. He was doing what he told me, like, hey, you believe on me? I'm going to bring you from zero, from nothing. So I was, you know, see that he was yeah. he was doing the things what he told me to do. So, wow, four months, and now I'm the son of the king. I have everything. My man who adopted me, he owned cars, houses. He take me everywhere. So I... I became to act like a baby because he he treated me like baby. You know, he come home and he put his arms and come on, baby, come on, son, let's go eat, let's go to the church, let's go places. You know, yeah. So I was like his baby, yeah, like his son. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like his son. So just you know, looking how God was working in my life, and I be in church. You know, I start to read the Bible. I start to read about God, you know. So it was like, okay, this is you. I get baptized two months after I gave my life in that mountain. I get baptized because I I always, I like to serve. So when I came to the church, to this church, you know, I was so happy, and I started to do things, you know, and help in the church. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know they have rules. So I remember one time I just uh, took a bottle of water and gave to the preacher, to the pastor. And after the service, he told me, you know, to serve here in the church, you know, to do what you do, you need to be baptized. Say, okay, <laughs> it's okay, so let's go. So they, they did baptize me, you know, two months, two months later when I was in the church. And uh, yes, became a believer. And since then, you know, that's my experience. And every time, you know, when I remember this, you know, what happened, I say, God, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, want to do my own own things. And every time God, you know, remind me like, hey, remember where I brought you from. And it's not every time, you know, now being business is like, sometimes I I'm, I want to go like crazy, you know, business, business, business. And God always, he always brings something. And uh, I believe, you know, what the Bible say, my talks, they're not your talks. My plans, you know, your plans are not my plans. I have a good thing, better things for you. So I believe that's the way he is, you know. And sometimes I want to go out of the way, but he always protect me. He always bring me, you know. So from that time on, that was when you were 24 years old, 25 years 25, old? 25, 25. So that's been some time ago. 20, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. So yes. what happened between now, then and now? 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> all good, all good things, you know, after he adopted me, he wanted me to go to school and everything. So, you know, he 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 wanted me to do what he want. But I never forgot, you know, I have a my father still living on the streets. I have my baby brother who he was 12, 13. Yeah, this is the one that was uh, a baby when you yes, left. Yes, yes. 13, when I came here, no, 15. He was like 15. Yeah. 15. So, and still, you know, everybody separate. So, when I became a believer, it was two different things. Be with this man who adopted me, he always Talk to me about the future, you know, you're going to go to school. I'm going to pay you for your school. You're going to have a nice house. You're going to have a nice car. You're going to, but you have to finish, you know, your career here. So I was excited. I was excited. But when I was at church, everything about family, about, you know, so I was like happy when I was in church because I say I need to do something for my father. I need to do something for my brothers. You know, I'm a believer now. So I find out how to help them. So he start to work on my start to work on my papers, you know, like to be adopted. He was looking for how to adopt me, you know, even if I was adult. So he was he put people to work. But is when it happened the like the two thousand one, you know, like problem we have in New York. Yeah, the terrorist attacks. Yeah, so everything was closed, no office, no lawyers, they don't want to take cases, you know, like my case. So I took the chance and, you know, I told him, you know, I need to do something else. I like to cook and I, I'm going to work for a restaurant. But uh, I have a brother who who going to come here. And he's 17. So I want you to help him. I'm old. I have a ch children's. So I need to work. I need to send money for them, you know, so they can go to school. And I cannot do what you want me to do. You know, like he want me to sign five years contract. Like I'm not going to move from here. Mm. He's going to pay for my school and everything. So say five years, you know. If I don't see my baby brother or my father in five five years, I don't know if if everything come true, you know, like get success, get my career and everything, I'm gonna have my career. But what about my brother? Mm -hmm. What about my father? You know? Right. My family. So I, I decide not to sign. I didn't sign, he gets mad with me, and he called me crazy and all those things. And I told him, but I'm going to bring my brother. He's 17. He he need help. He can go to school, you know, full time. I don't want you, brother. I want you, you know. I love you. I don't want you, brother. Say, hey, wait. When he comes here, you will see you, you, you're going to help him. Finally, finally, you know, he, he ended helping my brother, who was 17, he helped him. So what happened? Um, so what happened with your dad? My dad, when my brother was here, and everything was good, uh, the man who adopted me, finally he was helping him. So he was safe. 
it was safe. So I, I was like happy because my baby brother now is safe with people who I know in church and everything. So I was, I have confidence. So I went back to Mexico. Go with my daddy, save my daddy, you know. So I went over there and live with my daddy. Uh, so you found him. I mean, yes. You talked to him and you found him again. Yes. He was on the street. He was on the street and um, very, very deteriorating the way he was living. He was, you know, not good. So I went with him. I built a house and spent time with him together. And I told him, Daddy, if I did it, you can do it. If I quit, you know, all this, I was I was worse than you. You can do it. I know you can do it. And he crying, no, I cannot do it. Yes, I, you can do it, you know. We spent time together and, you know, we went places and talked and talked. And he, you know, you know, once a while he escaped and drink, which I say, okay, it's okay. You know, this is not easy. I understand that. So spend time with him and talk to him. Daddy, I'm happy, very happy. My life changed. My baby brother's life's changing. My other brother He's, he's doing good, you know, he's in high school, finished high school, he's about to take a career, so everything is good, we just need you, we need you, you know, to be with us, you know, to enjoy what we're doing, so finally, I told him, you know, like, if you don't quit drinking, I'm going to put you in one of these programs where nobody's going to see you for two years, you know, you're not going to see your children, you're not going to see your wife, you're not going to see nobody, so what do you want? You want to quit drink or you want to, you want me to take you to this place? So he was, no, 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 no. I'm going to quit drink. And he did. He did it. He quit drink. He started to do new things. He started to buy lands and cows and, and start to grow coffee plants and sugar kinds and everything, you know. I was like, oh my goodness. Very happy. Very happy he recovered. So he quit drinking. Did he become a Christian? Well, uh, I told him how I was saved and how God can help him. And he can do it. Pray for him and show him the love of Jesus. Like, daddy, you can do it. You can do it. So believe, believe, trust in God and you will be good again. So he did it. So he did those things. Yes. Was that was it after he quit drinking or before he quit drinking? After. Or was it all together? So he quit drinking and then after. After. And then came to know Jesus mm-hmm. and became a believer. I gave him a Bible and you know you read all the time and find peace and any question we are here. So he did good after he quit drink and, you know, start work very hard for his family. And I came back. I came back here to see my, my baby brother. And I was, you know, uh, divorced in Mexico. So when I came back here, the church where I was, the Hispanic church, uh, is where I met my wife, who is my wife today, she came to the same church where I was. 
So I met my wife. We get married, and uh, we have a house, and we decide to start business together. And uh, after all these things, how God was working in my life, I put in my mind, my father was God. You know, everything what, what he was doing uh, in my life, for me, for my brother, for my father, I was like, now you my father. So I start to talk with God like, you my father, and you know what is going on with my family, you know what is going on in my life. So you my father, so I start to talk to him, you know, like, you my father, so whatever I need, I ask God. So seven, almost eight years ago, uh, before I started the business, I went, before that, you know, I went for a few years to uh, study, you know, like be preacher or something like that. Like a seminary? Yes, yeah, seminary. Yeah, be a preacher, okay. Yes, so I study and I preach sometimes in different churches. And uh, what I did, I went for three years to do prison ministry, you know, because I knew, you know, how to talk with those people in the prison, you yeah. know, like tell my testimony, hey, I was there, I was here, you know, but God changed my life one day. So if you believe God can change your life, he can change your life. So I went for three years doing ministry in the prison and really liked it, really enjoyed it. So Every time in that prison, state prison, when I see a teenager come to the prison, in my mind I was like, my goodness, I know he is here, but it's not his fault. I wish I can see his daddy. Because most of these teenagers is family, is the, the, the daddy. The daddy is not there, or the daddy is not taking care of these children. So every time when I see somebody come, you know, new to this position, I was like, no, we need to do something outside before they come to the prison. You know, prison ministry is good. It's okay. It's, it's okay. But if we can do something, you know, before they go there. So I ask God and I say, God, Father, you know, I don't have the money. I'm working 40 hours at Lowe's and cleaning some banks to, you know, feed my family. But I want to grow, you know, on, on on business, ministry, everything. I want to grow, you know. I don't want to be doing the same thing. So, Father, you are the richest man in this world. You own everything, and I believe that you own everything. So I start to pray. I need a good car. I need money for gas. And I need uh, time to do your ministry. So please help me. Give, me. give me the money to start my business. And you know what I what I know how to do. It. The only thing what I know how to do is cook. You know, so restaurant. So I start to help. I start to ask for help and pray and pray and pray for two months. But I believe it. You know, I believe it. I say, God, I know you can help me. I know you have the money, so I'm going to keep praying until you give me the money. So 
I pray. I remember when I used to work one of the restaurants, there was a couple who offered me money. They were like, Pastor, if one day you want to have your own business, come to us and we help you. So maybe four or five years later, I ended to go to church with these people. So it came on my mind, oh, they offered me five years ago, you know, some money. So I start to pray for them and uh, pray and pray for them. Say, God, just give me the words, you know, how I'm going to ask them, you know, how I need to talk to them. So I was prepared. I was ready one day and came to the church. And I was like, today is the day. And then when I get church, they didn't come to church that day. There were nine church that day. I was like, well, maybe you telling me no, it's not time, not today. Okay, God, no problem. It's not time. So the same day, same day, same being the church. One of my friends came close to me. He was. I was talking with my boss in that time. I was talking to her, and this friend came very close to me. And we see each other, and we say hi. And how you doing? Huh? Everything good. But he was standing there, like he needed to talk to me or something. He was playing with a child, close to me, and we, I kept talking with him, my boss. And the second time we turn and we see each other, and what's up? What was up? You know. Everything good. Huh. So the third, third time, I told my boss, you know, see you tomorrow. And I turned to my friend, and we give a hug each other. And, hey, what's up? You know, what are you doing? Oh, everything is good. And he asked me, what's going on? So why? well, you know what? Yes, I need something. And I told him, I need $20,000 to open my restaurant. <laughs> And he was like, 20000 I said, yes, sir, I need 20000 And he said, when do you need this? Right now. Right now. You know, I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, what about I give you tomorrow? And I was like, hey, hey, wait, wait. Wait a minute. Let me start over. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is, yes, I want to open a restaurant. And the truth is, yes, I need money. But you're going to give me the money? Yes, i give you the money tomorrow. So okay. So we need to talk. He said, no, we don't need to talk. I said, yes, we need to talk. So I was confusing because I get mad with myself because why I did this way, you know? Why I was joking with him like that? And he said, give me five minutes. I'm going to talk to my wife, and i give you a call. I was like, nah, he's not going to. He's going to tell me, you know, oh, my wife say no, something. <laughs> so yeah. 10 minutes later, he called me. He said, Pastor, we have the money. And I was like, man, we need to talk. He said, no, we don't need to talk. I, I give you the money tomorrow. So I went home and told my wife, hey, they're going to give us the money, so we need to get ready to open the restaurant. 
And she was like, what money, you crazy? The money, we need to open the restaurant. She was like, you're crazy. Monday, he didn't come. He didn't call me. I I was sad because the way I did, you know, the way I asked him, you know, for money, I was disappointed with myself. Like, why I did this, you know? And Tuesday, he didn't come. He didn't call me. And I was like, I'm not going to call him, you know. Wednesday, all day Wednesday, I didn't see him. He didn't call me. By 6 p.m. on Wednesday, I saw this blue jeep come to my driveway. He came out with this plastic bag of money and gave me the money. He is the money, crazy man, open your restaurant. I was like, oh, my God. He brought you cash? Yes. Yes. He went to the bank. He went to the bank. <laughs> he went to the bank and he wrote me this packet of money. He gave it to me. Open your restaurant, crazy man. I was like, oh my. <laughs> so you what know? did you do? I opened the restaurant. <laughs> did you have the location? You knew how you wanted to do it, the menu, all the work that needed to be done? We had to work day and night in that time. And um, close to our house, that was a place it became available. That was a place who became available. Very small and very high area, but uh, it was available. It was for rent. And my next challenge was I went to the owner and I asked him, I want to rent your place. And he asked me, what are you what are you going to do? I said, Mexican restaurant. He said, you go home and think of something else. <laughs> You're crazy. We have 23 Mexican restaurants in this area. We don't need no more Mexican restaurants. Okay? Everybody has the same thing. And I'm not going to rent you for Mexican restaurant. I was like, oh, my goodness, he's mean to me. So I was very disappointed and went back home and talked with some of my friends. And some friends, they were like, hey, do it. Man, I can see you're going to be success. Do it. Some friends, they were like, hey, don't get in trouble. Pay the money back and you're not going to be in trouble. Okay. The place you want you want to be, you the place you want to open your restaurant, is not a good place. Okay, nobody gonna come over there. So I was like, my goodness, you know, God, but you already gave me the money. You know, we are this close. So what I need to do? So I went and prayed, and God showed me, showed me like a wall. It was a big wall. Can you see what is in the other side? I was like, no, how, what do you need to do to see what is on the other side? Well, I don't know, jump, make a hole, or do something. And he was like, exactly. You're never going to see what is in the other side if you don't do nothing. So I was... If you stay on this side, yeah. Yes. You know, if you don't try to do something, jump, or make a hole, something, you're never going to see what is in the other side. Okay? So I was... Very, you know, strong, and I came to talk with this man, and I didn't ask, you know, like, I didn't ask nothing this time. I just told him, hey, here is the rent, the deposit, and I need to rent that place. And he gave me the key, and I went, and we worked days and nights, make small menu, and start my restaurant. 
2014. But that's the way, you know, how I'm being dealing with God, like my father, father, you know, thank you, because you gave me the money. And I believe, you know, like I was praying for somebody, but God say, hey, it's not this, mm -hmm. it's this. So he was ready in that day, you know, like how, you know, yeah. same day, but different people. Same day that you were supposed to. Yeah, that's crazy. And he gave me the money. And yeah. he said, God, okay, we're going to do this business, but this is going to be you, yours. Everything what you put on my hands is going to be used for your kingdom, for your glory. So he gave me the first, the number two, the number three restaurants, and it's yours. It's yours. It's not mine because I didn't make this money to open a restaurant. You gave me the money, so it's yours. Yeah, so you have how many restaurants? Well, we have the coffee shop. We have the two restaurants, pizza place, and food trucks. Wow. So I think of what was said 20-some-odd years ago on I'm going to take you from zero. And, and now you have food trucks, three restaurants, and a coffee shop. And all of it, you basically have said is God, this is sort of in your hands. You gave me the money to do it. So what I do is, is coming back to you. Now I was in the coffee shop the other day and I, I, it looked like you were doing mission work out of the coffee shop. Yes. Yes. Me, my wife and me, we went through this uh, perspective class. It's about missions. You know, they, teach you about missions, uh, missionaries come here and they explain you what they're doing over there and you can see videos and everything. So, you know, like how is to be Christian in these countries, you know, like where your life is in risk and how is to be Christian in America where you have no risk. Yeah. So we after we took this course, we were like, our heart, it was like, we cannot go on missions. I don't know. So what we can do if we cannot go to these missions? And me and my wife, we pray, and and the word was do something, you know, do something. Hmm. So what we can do? So we start to throw some ideas. Can we do wash cars and raise money and give to the missions? We need to do something, you know? So the same time, when we were praying, the same owner who uh, I ran from, where the restaurant is, he came with the key. He say, hey, one spot is empty. Here's the key. You know, you want it or somebody want it? Here's the key. So I went to my wife and I say, he gave me the key. What are we going to do? So we opened the door. It used to be a church, that place. And it was like... What, what are we going to do? So my wife told me, God is telling me you start clean. Okay. But what is going to be? He just say start to clean. Start to clean? Clean, yes. Okay. The place. Yes, yeah, start cleaning the place up. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. So we put new floor, new walls. We took the ceiling. 
and we pain, and still, what are we going to do? So my wife said, let's do coffee shop and gift shop. Okay. We start to looking for equipment for coffee shop and things for the gift shop. So, you know, have customers. The customers, they start to ask, you know, what are you going to do? And blah, blah, blah. So gift shop and coffee shop. And people start coming, you know, like people who know how to make coffee and know how to run a gift shop, coffee shop. So we start to have help, you know, from everybody, missionaries. So we were like, okay. So people start to help and we have the coffee shop. So what we do, every penny, you know, what the coffee shop make is run by volunteers. So we don't have to pay nobody. So, yeah, where did these people come from that were helping you? It's from different churches in the area. They just showed up? Yes. They just come, and they on the schedule, and they, you know, some people work two hours, three hours. So they all volunteer? Yes. So you have no payroll? No. Every expense. Every penny we send to these countries. You know, we have a... Around 50 countries where we send money, you know, what coffee makes. Huh. And uh, and they bring whatever they make in these countries, they bring here to the coffee shop. We sell it, and they get the money. And the profit go to the same, you know, for missionaries. I, I, I'm just kind of thinking back on the whole thing. And, you know, you, you, you were in Mexico and running into dead end after dead end. I mean, you, you you worked in Tijuana and you made money there as an eleven and twelve year old, but trouble followed you wherever you went. It was drugs and alcohol and um, and fighting and everything else, and and you just it didn't look good. And you had a moment where you were looking to end your own life when you got into a dialogue wrestling match with God. It's kind of like I think of Jacob, you know, when Jacob got into, uh, fought the angel. And um, and that moment, it changed who Jacob became. He became Israel after that. And, you know, you had your own experience. And, you know, I asked you how you knew that was God. and And you said, you know, it was, that's who you were debating and arguing with. Mm-hmm. It had to have been who spoke. And when I think about when I've heard that God has spoken to people, the thing that tends to make it real and, and make me conclude that, in fact, it was God is the fact that the words and whatever was said changed everything from that moment on. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't just a, a really powerful thought that nothing came of. Mm-hmm. Every time God has spoken to someone in Scripture, every time God has spoken to someone in Scripture, they were sent on mission. Mm-hmm. They then had a job to do. And most often, it was a job for the rest of their lives. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened with you. Mm-hmm. From the time that God finally spoke to you at 24 years old, Mm -hmm. you got sent on mission. 
you felt like in that time he told you that he was going to take you from zero. And I asked you to where, and and basically your response is to where I am now and wherever it's going to be. But the point was that it came from nothing. Nope. But you got you got three restaurants. You got food trucks with an S. And you got this coffee shop. All of it is to support other people mm-hmm. and mission work. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tell you, if we just stop right there, that is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what he said was going to happen. Yes. And I can't help but just be in awe of that. This was a discarded child, 11 years old, mm-hmm. that hopped in a van to Tijuana 50 hours away, two and a half days. Mm-hmm. And never to return at 11 mm-hmm. with no prospects of the gospel, no understanding or knowledge of God whatsoever. Didn't touch a Bible till he was 24. And to think about the work that you're doing now, that is just an amazing, amazing story. That's God, you know. That's, that's the only way I can explain, you know, like the... My experience, I have that day with him. He changed my whole life. My whole life. And uh, talking about the restaurant, you know, we're going to open the soup kitchen for the community. Uh, The pastor, the lady who offered me this, she came to my restaurant and she said, God told me to come talk to you. And she said, I've been wrestling for three weeks and we... This is the second or the third time we come to find you. And we find, finally find you. So God told me to come talk to you. And she asked me, what are you doing? She knows we do missions and we help the community. And she asked me, like, what are you doing now? We still do the same thing. We, the coffee shop, you know, give food to the community. We still do the same thing. And she came like, I wish... We can help more the community, but we don't have members no more in the church, and it's only in our heart and in our mind to help, but we cannot help. She say we used to cook hundreds of meals, and we have a commercial kitchen. So when she mentioned commercial kitchen, like you have a commercial kitchen, like how big is kitchen? She say commercial kitchen. Can we go and look? And in that moment, sure, you know, finish our food. And we went to see this commercial kitchen. So the commercial kitchen is together with the dining room is bigger than my restaurant. Wow. So when I was there, like, my goodness, this is what we need for the soup kitchen. You know, I was not looking for this. I was not planning to do this. So, you know, it's God. Because... I knew, I know this lady for seven years, and she never told me she has a commercial kitchen. So when she showed me the kitchen, I said, oh, my goodness, you know, we can use this as a soup for a soup kitchen to feed the community. And she was like, here's the key. Do whatever you want. That's amazing. And I've, I've talked to people on here that have similar stories. Mm 
And I guess in my former life and when I was in the corporate side of things and my focus was really on the corporate work that we did, you, 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 did, you went to work, you came home, went to work, came home every day, and, and that's just what you did. And we just weren't involved in kingdom work. I mean, you can, you can reflect the kingdom of God in your work, whatever you do. That's for sure. But the work itself, I mean, it, we weren't actively each day trying to serve the kingdom of God. When I got out of that and involved in this work where I have conversations who active, uh, with people who actively do pursue the kingdom of God and, and that kind of work and have gotten to a place where they believe they have conversations with God. And they believe that they have, and not just believe, but confess that they say, hey, God, my life is yours. Work mm-hmm. through me. Mm-hmm. That things like this happen mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. People say, somebody showed up and gave me money. Mm-hmm. And with that money, we were able to do this thing in the kingdom. Yes, I'm just going to tell you, people don't just show up with money for people who are not looking to do mm-hmm. kingdom work like that. I just don't, I haven't seen it happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed every time I hear a story like that. And you've told me three or four where a guy basically shows up with a bag of $20,000 mm-hmm. to get you started mm-hmm. in this entrepreneurial place where you could then go and multiply it mm-hmm. for kingdom work. Mm-hmm. I've just heard it over and over again. And mm-hmm. every time I hear it, it just blows my mind, but I don't know why it does. I don't know why it does. I guess it's just because it's not of this world. It's only th- something that God can do. Yes, He can do it, and uh, but we have to we have to believe it. That's one one thing, you know. We have to take action. You know, that's what it takes. Action. You know, and always, sometimes people come to me and they say, I don't know, you know, what to do, how to do something. And uh, sometimes I, like, give them, hey, take this $10 bill and go. Go, I don't know where you're going to stop, in restaurant, uh, store, wherever, wherever you want to go. But you have to do intentionally. Take this $10 bill and go. If you see somebody, just tell them you want to pay for the milk, for the drink, for groceries, whatever, and do it. Yeah, a friend of mine, I was just looking up which episode it was. It was episode seven. It's a friend of mine, Sam Marcinic is his name. And you know Sam? So anyway, baseball country, baseball country. That's right. So it's a great episode. And the same sort of thing happened with Sam. He had an experience that just saved him mm-hmm. and it changed him from that moment on. Yeah. But he talks about, you talk about taking action. He talks about stepping out in faith. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if God puts something in front of me and I don't step out in faith, I'm robbing him. Yes. Of a chance for somebody to get close to him or to glorify him. Yes. It's not like you're just kind of hesitant and but you're actually robbing God 
of glory when mm-hmm. you don't step out in faith. And mm-hmm. what you call it is take action. Take action. Yeah. And and you've done it. Yeah. You've done it over and over again. You did it. You took action mm-hmm. before you became a believer. Mm-hmm. In lots of cases, even when you were to Tijuana, I mean, you're like, yeah. I got to do something. Yes. And I believe God put that in you way before you were a believer. Well, you know, God, the Bible say God knows you before yeah. you. He sets you up. Yes. So when you were doing all that bad stuff, he was shaping you into the person that was going to do the good stuff. And That's, he, yes. He built you piece I, by piece. He took care, you know. I took bad decisions, but he still, you know, took care of me and that process. Yeah. I, that whole stepping out in faith thing is real. And And what you said... You have to believe. And I think the difference between when I was in the corporate world and, and, and other, it wasn't that I didn't believe in God. I did. I didn't – I don't know that I had that kind of faith that these kinds of things could take place in the modern world. Mm-hmm. That somebody's not going to knock on my door, hand me a set of keys to a facility that's exactly the thing that needs to be done, and I take it and run with it. Yes. I just didn't think that it's, kind of stuff really happens. That is something uh, – you really, you really need to do something, you know, because as a humans, we like to control everything, you know, to control everything. If I have money, yeah, I do something. Well, uh, I like to be God, right? Yeah, that's the original sin. Yeah, we want to be God. Yeah, you know, he so, says no. Let me be God. So I don't want to be crazy, but you know, you taking that from God, because when God does, you don't have to have money. You know, you don't have to have money. He don't. He doesn't need your money. He just need your obedience. You know, through your faith, he just need your obedience. You don't need to have money. So people are gonna call you crazy. Why are you gonna do this? I get used to now. I get used to like, I went and I bought all the equipment. You know, for the soup kitchen, because hey, I don't have to worry. God. He owns everything. So, and I haven't, you know, I haven't. This is like before I came here, I post on Facebook the video. First time I've been working on this. I already have the kitchen, but I have to take action. You know, I don't, I cannot wait. You know, my idea is to have a soup kitchen. If you give me money, I'm going to have a soup kitchen. But if I don't have the money, I'm not going to do soup kitchen. No, it's action first. Action first. Then that's faith. After this video, people call me. What do you need? Yeah, I give you money. Sam says the same thing. Can we see you at Lowe's to buy the water heater? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody call me, and because I want, you know, show my action first, because that's the way God is. You know, He want to see action. You know, like He asked Moses, "What do you have in your hand?" Just a stick. Okay. That's right. Look what the stick became. That's the power of God. So yeah. that's what we don't let God to do when we say, well, you know, I wish I can be a teacher. I wish I can be a pastor. I wish, you know, no, 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 just yourself. Yeah. And usually that's such a great example. He asked Moses, hey, Moses, he's like, I, I'm not prepared. I can't do all this. There's, you know, this things that have to be done or whatever. And he said, literally, what do you have in your hands? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. that's just, it, it's very similar when people think about what they need to do that might be big or whatever. Usually the thing they need to do is the thing that's right in front of them, mm-hmm. that's already been presented. Yeah. And 
And to be spiritual in, in the way that you think puts you in a posture such that when somebody brings something to you, you recognize mm. that that's yeah. God moving yeah. and, and, and you just take action on it. Yeah. You've lived that. And that's just a, that's an, that's a powerful and amazing testimony and a lesson to everyone. I mean, here's a kid, didn't speak a lick of English, Not wasn't English. a citizen, nothing, had no education, didn't have a place to live, slept on the floor of the church just because they were nice enough to him. And here you are 20 years later about to open a soup kitchen after your multiple restaurants and other ways that you are feeding multiple ministry efforts uh, across the world. And it's just amazing. And, and you know, the acknowledgement and the recognition goes directly to the one who told you he was going to do it to start with. Yes. Yes. He is the one. And I'm, you know, like amazing how every day is something new. Every yeah. day is, yeah. every day is like, what is today, you know? I, in the restaurant, I meet people, you know, like, I don't know who told you, you know, to talk to me. Yeah. But people come to to the restaurant, and sometimes I have to pray with them. I have to minister to them, and I use my testimony, you know, when they come and they have, a, they, they have problems, you know. I tell my testimony. Every time I have a chance, you know, like newspaper, magazine, on radio, you know, every time I have a chance, I share my testimony. And my goal is to write small books, you know, to encourage yeah. people here yeah. in the community. I think it's very important, you know, to share my story on small book, yeah. you know, so people can have hope. Because the way my life, you know, when you listen to this if somebody tell me here, you know, I'm suffering, I don't have a home, hey, at least you in your hometown, at least you speak English, you know, yeah. you have everything here. So oh. He can bring you out of anything. <laughs> yes. And that's what your story says. That's what your story says, that he can bring you out of anything. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, a, that's an amazing story. Um, <laughs> a question. What do you feel like is the most important thing? for spiritual peace? The most uh, important thing for spiritual peace is have that confidence, you know. When your relationship becomes close to God, the way I see it, you know, uh, I didn't have a, my father over there with me to, to teach me, to love me, to take care of me. You know, I didn't have that figure. But with God... I have that, you know, like I have a confidence to come with my problems to him and tell him, you know, like if I did something wrong, if if I'm like sad, I never sad. I'm never sad, you know, never sad. I always come to him and tell him, you know, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're my father and I know you're going to help me. So that keep that, you know, relationship with God, help me to have peace and, and, and believe he forgave me, believe he's taking care of me. So that's keep that close 
relationship, you know, like, like be with somebody, be with my father. Like I say, I didn't have that figure, figure in my life, the father to love me, to protect me. I didn't have that. But God is, is that, that's what God, he does. Whoever, whoever comes, you know, and talk to him and, and tell how much we love him and he tell us how much he love us but we have to believe it we have to believe it we have to do like we do with our father mm-hmm. like like father in this world you know our earthly father earthly yeah. father yeah. so that's the same way we have to do it and yeah and go in with confidence and talk to him all the time yes. <laughs> it sounds like you talk to him all the time yes we believe it so You've done a lot, and you've been in a lot of places spiritually. Uh, it wasn't that you were raised in in the church, and you know you fell away, and you came back, or anything like that. You, you just had no knowledge and understanding whatsoever, really, until you were twenty four, and it all changed from there. But you know, there are other people who don't think God exists. There are other people that believe that. They are far too lost or bad. Mm-hmm. They've done things that they got no business talking mm-hmm. to anybody that is involved with mm-hmm. faith. What would you say your message is to the hopeless? Well, when people say, I don't believe in God, we are saying, I don't need God. We are saying, like, we we can say I don't believe in God, but we missing everything. We missing everything. You know, since I was let's say nine, nine to twenty four, my life it was a mess because I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in God, and that that was my choice. But not because I say doesn't exist, God. He doesn't exist. He exists. But I don't believe. So I'm missing everything. You know, look what God has been doing in my life, through my life, since I surrender myself. I believe on Him. So we miss everything. We miss the blessings to serve others. We miss our own peace. We miss joy. We miss blessings. We miss everything. So we can, you know, we can spend our lives saying God doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, we're missing everything. That means, you know, like, I don't want to be happy. <laughs> I don't want to be happy. I don't want to be blessed. I don't want to have joy. That's what we do when, when we say God doesn't exist. So what would you tell people? Well, how would you coach people? What would you say to them that feel that way, that say that? What would you tell them to do? There is a saying we say in Mexico, like, you want to know me? Like when we're fighting, touch me, you know? Touch me, and you you will know who I am. Yeah. You know, like when we're fighting, mm-hmm. we always challenge, touch me. No, you touch me first. So we do not know who he is or how much, how strong he is if we don't touch him, you know. So that's what I tell people all the time. You really want to know God? You really want to know God? I cannot convince you, you know. But 
you want to know, touch him. <laughs> touch him, you know. Touch him and you will see. Yeah, whatever. You don't have to tell me. You can go to your bed. You can go anywhere you want to be hiding. Touch God. Tell him, hey, I want to touch you. And you will see. Wow. You will see <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> it sounds like you touched him that day on that mountain. You poked at him pretty good on that mountain when you said, I'm going to give it to you. Yes. That's why you know when I say, you know what? That's what you did. I give you everything. And that's the confession, you know. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. It's like, <laughs> you, you know. But it sure changed everything. Yes. So when we say something, God, I give you my life. That's awesome. That's mean we give him our life. I give you my talents. That's mean, you know, we give the talents. But I understand, you know, I understand when people, you know, I wish I can grow more. Hey, the problem is we say something, but we don't do it. We are used to control our lives. Mm -hmm. We are used to control everything. And I know that, I know that, you know, I've been there, you know. Uh, and, you know, I have to make sure I have money. You know, I have to make sure I have a guess to go somewhere, you know. So that's us. That's fantastic, Ben. Oh, and were you born with the name Pastor? Yes. Did you live 24 years as a rebel to God with the name of Pastor? Mm -hmm. How yes. did you get the name Pastor? I, I, I don't know. I just believe God gave me the name because I am being asking my parents and they don't know so you, they don't know why no they just gave you the name pastor how about that mm -hmm. <laughs> you ever think about that about how god may have like planted that before you were born yeah. to bring you into the place you are and actually yes. give you a life of yes. ministry which you never would have seen that coming yeah so i was born with the name so i i think i have to Honor the name, <laughs> I guess yeah. so. and, uh, and that's and the name is being, the name is being, is being good name because lots of people you know they they think I'm a pastor or everything what I'm doing is because I'm a pastor, you know. Yeah. Before they know it's my name, so <laughs> all the time people come to me fighting and you know like because one say uh, he's a pastor. And others say, no, that's his name. No, he's no, a she's chef. A pastor. Yeah. <laughs> so the name is, is being working very good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever become ordained or whether you be Pastor, Pastor Garcia, I guess. I don't know. But uh, anyway, well, it's just been a joy to hear faith from your perspective. And, um, you know, you can hear something and say, you know, people think, oh, yeah, you're crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to show people a clip 20 years later, a video of all the things that Pastor Garcia is involved in now and and then say, okay, who's the crazy one now? <laughs> God's the crazy one, right? He actually did these things. And, I'm, still, and, I'm still crazy and I want to be crazy. You know? <laughs> if people are telling you you're crazy, then there's probably a good chance that God's moving in your life exactly like he said. So that's probably a really oh, yeah, good I like thing. Them. Yeah, I like to be crazy. Yeah, that's right. Let's all be crazy. Yeah. So, Pastor Garcia, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me here. 
I hope today's episode injects you with hope and energy. Hope in knowing that there is no place you can go where God is not actively pursuing you and is anxiously waiting for you to reach out toward Him. And energy to take active steps of faith rather than staying where you are. Pastor Garcia's words have been, Okay, let's do this. And he'll tell you each time that he does this and believes, God stuns him with faithfulness and blessings. Touch him and you will see. Thank you for joining us today on A Stronger Faith. Please pray about how God might lead you to share your own faith to impact the kingdom. If you feel like this podcast might be the opportunity God is placing before you, or if you know of another story that could move others toward Christ, please reach out to us at astrongerfaith.com slash connect or on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, we pray for peace and a stronger faith for you and those you love.